0: praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning saunterers. So here we go, we're on Luke chapter 14 today, Lord we ask you to come and speak to us and be with us lord jesus we want you filling our lives filling our homes today amen so we are uh, going through this incredible account of luke the doctor and looking how he interacts with this miracle worker jesus who he's absolutely taken with and completely you know becomes a very famous follower disciple of jesus and a and a companion of the Apostle Paul, interestingly. Good morning, Ruth and Chris. I hope you're having a good travels, wherever you are at the moment. So, here we go. Verse 1, it says, One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. So this is really interesting. Jesus is not kind of hostile to the pharisees and he but he's kind of still hangs out with them even though they're constantly on at him and watching him like a hawk and here we have this exact situation where he's he's a guest he's been invited to a high-ranking pharisee one of the rulers of the pharisees and but He even there, even though he's a guest, he's under constant scrutiny and they're watching him like a hawk, really just waiting for Jesus to do something that they can accuse him of. And it seems (laughs) a bit of a kind of, I don't know, mixed blessing, doesn't it? Being invited out to someone's house where you know you're under constant scrutiny. And you, they're you're, they're watching you to see if you're going to put a foot wrong. But Jesus doesn't seem overly bothered by that. He accepts the invitation, shows up, and verse two it says there was a man before him who. Uh, behold, what a surprise! There's a man in front of him with dropsy. I right, know, as far as I understand, Chris, if you're watching, you can put it straight. Dropsy is a condition where your body retains water and you become you swell. And your body changes shape because it's full of water too much. And yet you're still constantly thirsty. Um, as, as I understand, that's what I read anyway. So, um, it, so he, he's been kind of, it seems likely that he's been planted in front of Jesus to see what Jesus is going to do and how he's going to handle it. Verse 3, and Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees. Well, they haven't even asked anything yet. It's like he replies, but they haven't a- asked. He responded to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? This old chestnut, which keeps coming round again and again and again, it seems. It's certainly in Luke's gospel. We've seen this happen lots of times where Jesus seems to be set up with a situation which happens to be on a Sabbath, which is the day of rest where they're not supposed to do any work. And they set him up with somebody who's clearly sick. And Jesus is going to heal them because that's what he does. Interestingly for me, I just kind of have this little thought. Like they're sitting down at a banquet, is it? Well, he went to dine at the house of a Pharisee. The ruler of the Pharisees. There's obviously a, a number of people there. And it's a thing. It's a function. But I'm assuming someone prepared the meal and served it. And laid it all out on the table. I don't know how much... That constitutes work, but I know the rules about what kind of meal you can eat and how much preparation you can do were very strict and still are in kind of very observant Jews' households. But it seems to me that maybe they've maybe bent the rules slightly to accommodate a little banquet. Sorry, I'm spitting a little banquet on the quiet, anyway. So but they set him so he says is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remain silent, so they're not going to engage on this one, but they've set him up. Then he took him away, sorry, he took him and healed him and sent him away. So I don't know whether Jesus said, Come here, bro, let me have a little look at you. Right, puts his hand on him, says, Be healed. All the swelling goes, he looks completely normal. And they send him away. He doesn't even stay for the rest of the meal. So Jesus sends him away and he said to them which of you having a son or an ox that is falling fallen into a well on a sabbath day will not immediately pull him out and they could not reply to these things well of course they couldn't because (coughs) every single one of them would if their son fell in a a well on the sabbath day they'd pull him out jesus is saying come on guys work it out (coughs) do the work yourselves and you know Get there yourselves, and they couldn't reply to him. I love it that Jesus was constantly able to turn the tables and kind of get these guys on the wrong foot just because he carried this incredible, winsome, uh, I don't know, wisdom. Winsome wisdom, Jesus carried, but he had this obviously, he had the edge in that he could do the miracle, so he could really kind of put them at a disadvantage with their religious arguments. Right, verse 7, it says, Now he told a parable to those who were, who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honour, saying to them, When you are invited by somebody, someone, to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honour, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place but when you are invited go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes he may say to you friend move up higher then you may be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted now Jesus seems to be kind of almost I don't know it's kind of like almost sneaky wisdom but he's saying, like, don't put yourself in that place where you're going to, you know, just come in and take the best seat in the house because you think, ah, oh, this is where I, this is what I deserve. This is my the seat appropriate to my position in society. But just let somebody else honor you. Uh, the proverb says, doesn't it, about let someone else praise you rather than yourself. I was thinking about this. We live in such a self-promotional kind of culture and even things like I'm doing now, putting yourself on the internet and having a visible presence and kind of putting yourself out there kind of is awkward in some respects because we're assuming that we've got something to say. (laughs) We're assuming that people might want to listen and those kind of things. And we live in a kind of age where... self-promotion don't we like never before the tiktok um phenomenons you know the the celebrities the the, you know the tiktok celebrities and people who've become famous overnight for putting up a funny post and you kind of think yeah yeah, we are everyone's promoting their own brand and putting themselves out there and in even churches and kind of Christian organizations like I represent we are trying to promote our own brand and yet actually what is the real point what are we trying to promote surely we should be trying to promote Jesus and so there's a there's a kind of bit of self-examination but he says get into the habit of putting yourself in a humble place just allow other people to be honored ahead of you that is absolutely fine and then if just say, if your host thinks, no, I'm going to really honour this guy, um, come up here, brother, and sit in a higher place. That's fantastic, isn't it? It's, but let's not do even the sitting in the lowest place. Look at me, I'm so humble. Because we can invert everything, can't we, and twist everything. But let's just be able to, in our hearts, honour other people around us. And let us get in the habit of promoting the humble person you know the, the kind of person with no I don't know no reputation and just kind of honor them and recognize them and get into the habit of just noticing people who serve us and you know the people who came and prepared the meal where are they in this story anyway so verse 11 is the key one isn't it for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted and at the end the praise of our peers or the people around us or the greater society who acknowledges us or all our followers on Instagram or all whatever else we're kind of, that honour is so transient and so temporary. But what about the honour that comes when we meet Jesus and he says, well done good and faithful servant when we stand before him that is the honor that really each of us should be looking for and he's going to be looking he's not going to be judging our performance he's going to be judging our heart and what the motivating factor was not just how we not just what the optics of the situation are not just how it looks the appearance of it verse 12 He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbours, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. And he's not saying never have them round, be a proper misery to your family and just exclude everybody. He's just saying, get in the habit of thinking about other people who actually can't repay you verse 13 he says but when you give a feast invite the poor the crippled the lame the blind and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just and Jesus is saying come on this is the kind of acknowledgement you need not to be ingratiated into a social elite who welcome you you invite them to your house because of who they are and then they say oh this is so nice why don't you come to my house next time and you come to their house it's like oh <laughs> I've really arrived that is so shallow and so bogus and it's so against what Jesus is saying he's saying look look around you there are people who never get invited anywhere Do you know before the camera phone uh you know appeared you know we were all suddenly taking selfies and everything else I took a photo of this guy once with a proper camera and he said you know what because he was from an addiction background and stuff he said you know what I don't think anybody has taken my photo for at least seven years (laughs) I thought oh man we just get used to it don't we we get used to being considered important enough to take a photo of Um, just in, in our own friendship group. It's not... The fact that we've appeared in a photo doesn't really make us very important, but for this guy, he hadn't even... He reckoned he hadn't even been photographed for like seven years. It's like he'd been kind of not noteworthy in any way considered to be by anyone. But let's look at the people around us who don't really get invited to stuff and invite them to our stuff. Everyone. We all know people like that. And actually... There's nothing... I'm going to be... I don't want to be politically incorrect, but sometimes people with, like, physical disabilities or mental disabilities or any of those kind of things, they're not, perhaps, aesthetically wonderful in the way that we might want... You know, we might think, oh, I want to be associated with the beautiful people, the kind of extra lovely a-list and actually how about getting uh, having our whole hearts and our whole value system overhauled by the by prince jesus the king of all of the king of the humble and the broken and let's let him overhaul our hearts and look towards a much greater reward than being invited back to some fancy swanky shindig for the elite Verse 15, when one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to them, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. I just want to say for anyone listening, that is not dubbed in. That little robin is properly singing his head off. And he loves it. Every time I come out, he loves to join in. He wants to he wants to be an internet sensation. <laughs> and it's fantastic, isn't it? So anyway, so Jesus is saying, right, there's this guy and he has his banquet. And he, you you kind of think, Wow, a banquet? I'd love to be invited to a banquet. But in fact, his friends just kind of come up with these really lame excuses. Oh no, I've just bought a I've just bought some land. I need to go and check it out. You'd have thought he'd have checked it out beforehand. But anyway, he says, nah, this is... And he's kind of like, he's not wanting to negotiate. He's made his mind up, he's not coming. And the same guy, same with the bloke who bought some oxen. He wants to take them out. It's like he's bought a new John Deere tractor. He wants to go out and try it out and work out how all the bells and whistles work in this swanky aircon cab. He can't be doing with coming to a banquet and someone else has married a wife and he can't come he's and I think oh man these excuses they are a bit lame and so he comes back and tells the master and the master of the house became angry and said to his servant go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame and the servant said sir what you command has been done, and there is still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel people to come in. Persuade them, urge them, just bring them in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. And you Do oh man, this is so interesting, isn't it? With the people that we might think these are the social group we want to associate with, let's invite them to the banquet. Jesus is saying, No, you're looking in the wrong place. They are preoccupied with their own stuff in their own world, they are not looking for salvation, they're not looking for the savior, they're just looking for the new John Deere or the piece of land or the happy marriage, whatever, rather than seeing the real spiritual value of following Jesus. And so just go and persuade people, persuade the broken and the needy. And this goes right back to chapter 4 where Jesus reads from the prophet Isaiah and he says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me to bring good news to the poor, to set the captives free recovery of sight to the blind this is Jesus going back to his core business and we kind of think yes but we want everybody to be saved and yes we do but it's only really those who've come to realize their own poverty in their heart that are able to really say do you know what i really want to follow jesus now rich people did follow jesus luke's already told us that there was some rich women some wives of influential men and so on they followed jesus they supported him and the disciples financially as well but don't let's be constantly preoccupied with just winning the the rich but let's take the low hanging fruit the people who recognize their need let's bring them in and usher them into the kingdom and seat them down at this banquet and treat them like princes treat them like royalty treat them like they belong there. and don't be irritated because they haven't got the social etiquette and all the rest of it that we might you know that whatever verse 25 now great crowds accompanied him and he turned and said to them if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters yes and even his own life he cannot be my disciple oh my you can see right they're turning down a banquet they're probably going to turn down the opportunity to die aren't they or hate their own life if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters what he's saying is you're going to prioritize differently instead of this being i mean how many people do you hear say family is everything family is everything to me and i kind of think yeah it is it's really 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 important it's my primary area of ministry and that's why it's so difficult when things are awkward and difficult in the family and struggling because you think man this is this is our primary um target audience Our, you know our people the people we're supposed to be shepherding but um at the same time jesus is saying something different he's saying i want you to have a a different value system i want you to treasure that which is of eternal worth of eternal value and he says, yes, even he, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So even to the point where we are prepared to lay down our lives for Jesus. Verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. This is quite a high bar, I think, to really become a disciple. To be invited to a banquet sounds great. But to be invited to take up a cross, I can think of a few excuses that come to mind. Like, um, I don't really feel called to die on a cross, actually. Um, I wouldn't blame you, but at the same time, Jesus is saying, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people who are willing to come with me all the way. Not just show up to my party, but come with me all the way. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down um, and count the cost While the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Oh my. This is, this is for for real, this is tough, isn't it? Jesus is talking about like counting the cost, realising that saying yes to following him is not a romantic notion. It's not a... the music was playing. It was so sweet in church. And I went down to the front and I prayed the prayer like the pastor told me to. And I came away with this lovely piece. And that's fantastic. But it's like that and right now. This is the Jesus you're following. The one who gives you this lovely piece. But actually where is he going? <laughs> I suppose is probably the question Jesus is. I think this question is probably is very much in Jesus' mind at this time. He's thinking about the cross. He's thinking about what is, what is up ahead for him in, the immediate, in his immediate future. And he's thinking, I need people who can come with me all the way. Now, thank God, for most of us, we're not, we will not ever be required to die for Jesus. But there are those around the world who most certainly will, and even today will pay that price, which is awful and incredible. But it is good for us to realise that Jesus has a different set of priorities to maybe the average human being. And so to, to talk to somebody about becoming a disciple, there are some conversations and some things that will need to be covered at some point. Wow. So verse 34, salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be returned? It is of no use, either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is one of those things that I puzzle over, because if salt isn't salty, it isn't salt. (coughs) Excuse me. (laughs) and i think that's the point really jesus is saying listen you guys are in the earth to be different you're in the earth to preserve it and to give flavor and you're not here just to become like everybody else and to just assimilate into the culture of this world but actually you're here to influence culture to change culture and to make a difference. Hi, Fran. Yeah, I started early today. I apologise, but I hope you can catch up. Anyway, so we're here to be salty, to make a difference, to be a preserving, culture-challenging um, voice into our society and to represent Jesus, whose values are very, very different to the ones around us. Jesus help us, let us walk with you today and let us be filled with your Holy Spirit and let us be salty, let us be those ones who have properly humbled ourselves before you that you can lift us up and whether we ever achieve public recognition for anything we do Lord we're here to serve you, to have your well done at the end so we're looking forward to that God bless you everyone, take care I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful, rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. And my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him. But more than anything else, that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, and Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. Or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.